0: Hello, this is Steve Durr. Today we're going to read from Acts chapter 25, starting in verse 1 and going to verse 12. Uh, And in this, Paul has now spent two years in prison in Caesarea, waiting and waiting and waiting for something to change. And finally, Felix, the governor that was holding Paul and procrastinating on the decision of what to do with him, he was leaving and a new governor was arriving. And his name was Festus. Festus, the new governor, inherited this whole Paul versus Jewish leaders issue. And so will something finally change? Let's pick up the story. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, he left for Jerusalem, where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul they asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem, planning to ambush and kill him on the way. But Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea, and he himself would be returning there soon. So he said, those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul's done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. About eight or ten days later, Festus returned to Caesarea, and on the following day, he took his seat in court and ordered that Paul be brought in. When Paul arrived, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges. I'm not guilty of any crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government, he said. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? But Paul replied, No, this is the official Roman court. So I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty of harming the Jews. If I've done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I'm innocent, no one has the right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. Finally, some movement in the story of Paul. Festus, the new governor, is getting his feet wet. He's getting acquainted with his new responsibilities and the people he will be governing. And so he goes to meet with people in Jerusalem to get to know the lay of the land. And he immediately is confronted with this unfinished business of Paul in prison. The Jewish leaders hope that Festus will bring Paul to Jerusalem so they can kill him on the way. But instead, Festus invites them to travel back with him and make their accusations in Caesarea. And so they travel to Caesarea, and they make false accusations and claims about Paul once again. And Festus is feeling the pressure. There is no evidence for these charges. He understands that. But he just can't let Paul go because they would be upset, and he wants to get a good start and have a good rapport with these folks in his new role And he wants to get along with these leaders. He's stuck. And so he tries to appease the Jewish leaders and he offers Paul a trial in Jerusalem. But Paul rejects the idea and sees the potential trap. He knows it would be his end. Paul's been waiting for two years for his charges to be dismissed. He's been passed from one governor to another. Now things seem to be turning for the worse. And so Paul asked that his trial be presented to Caesar, the Roman emperor, who at that time was Nero. He's asking as a Roman citizen to have his case heard at the highest court in the empire. Paul isn't going to Rome because he's guilty and trying to get an appeal. It's not that kind of an appeal, like you found me guilty, but I'm appealing that verdict and hoping for a different outcome. This appeal is saying, I want my trial, I want my case said before Caesar. Why? Because the local politics here make it impossible for a fair trial. So therefore, Festus decides to send Paul and his case to Rome, as Paul requested. Paul, at different points in his life, has been told by God that he would go to Rome, that he would present the good news of Jesus before rulers and authorities. And now he's finally about to go to Rome to face the accusations against him, and he's going to have the opportunity to share Jesus with the highest authorities in the land. But my guess is that this is not how Paul first envisioned he would get to Rome. But God's plans and purposes are going forward through different circumstances. Paul's trust in God through all of this is inspiring. Sometimes in my life, if things don't go the way I expect them to go, I can get discouraged. I can assume everything will fall apart. And in those moments, I can lose heart because things are not working out the way I envisioned them. Because, you see, I know best. (laughs) We know that's not true, right? I mean, can you relate to that? You know, I like the image of a river for a lot of different things. It's a great metaphor for a lot of different things. But when it comes to following God, I think the river image is pretty helpful. Rivers have a current. And when you walk into a river, you can feel the tug of the current wanting to pull you along. Sometimes it's hard to keep your footing, especially the deeper you go. Because the deeper you go into a river, the more difficult it is to fight against the flow. Because more and more of your body is subject to the push and the pull and the tug of the current. I imagine that Paul has entered the river of the Jesus life, and he's felt the tug of the current of what Jesus is doing in the world. And he goes beyond ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep, and he jumps all in. Instead of fighting it, In seeking to make things happen and stay comfortable and safe, he goes all in. He lifts his feet, and he allows himself to get swept up in the current of Jesus' work and will. He trusts in his living King Jesus to accomplish his purposes and plans through him. Paul has placed his life in God's hands. He's placed his life in the flow of God's current. His life is not his own. His life is God's, and he's trusting that God is taking challenging circumstances and fitting them together to accomplish his will and plans, even if it means hardship and uncertainty for Paul. God will use Paul to bring the good news of Jesus to Rome and to the highest authorities in the empire, but he's going as a prisoner. How is it that Paul can trust the way he does in spite of the circumstances. In a letter he wrote in, Ephes- in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I find that fascinating. Often he'll call himself a slave of Christ Jesus or a servant of Christ Jesus. But in this section, he calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Because before Paul is a prisoner of Rome or a prisoner of Jewish leaders, he's first and foremost a prisoner of Jesus. What is he saying? He's become a captive of Jesus. His life is fully given over to Jesus and his mission. So how about us today? Where in our lives are we sensing God's current and tug to follow him? Where have we been afraid to trust him Where are we fighting against him or find ourselves losing hope because things are different than we expected or desired? Today, like Paul, we're invited to again choose to trust God and his plans. To recognize that our life belongs to him and to ride the current of his purposes. And so what is God saying to you today? And what will be your response? Today, I'd like to pray Paul's blessing in Romans fifteen thirteen for us and for you. Let's pray. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day in the river of God's love. We'll see ya.